0: Hi, I'm Issa Kwonga. And I'm Ryan Hunt. And we co-host Stadio, a football podcast, on the Ring of Podcast Network.
1: If you like soccer or football, make sure you search for Stadio, a football podcast, on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary.
2: This episode is brought to you by Lincoln and the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid. Featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh, my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates.
0: Welcome to the Ringer NFL Preview Show. My name is Dan Hefitt. I am joined by Ben Slug and Steve Reese. We are coming to you every Friday, previewing the weekend's NFL games. Today, we are previewing week five of the 2022 NFL season. And first up, we have the game plan every week. Steven and Solak break down the biggest game of the week. They basically cosplay as the coaching staffs for each team. They game plan against each other. This week, our game of the week is Bengals-Ravens. This is Sunday Night Football. It's Lamar versus Joe Burrow. Solak, your Bengals coach, Zach Taylor.
3: Already works. I generally look like Zach Taylor rit large this is the yeah. easiest cosplay i'll do all season
0: you if you were behind me in the supermarket i would not know that you were, famous we're zach taylor and so there but you also go. you wouldn't
3: know that zach taylor were a head coach i'm with you no
0: it's, no he just looks like a normal person steven you're john harbour on the ravens so i guess you can just look angry mildly all yeah. the time and i, I go know.
1: for it on fourth down all the time yeah my, and scowl my thing as mark andrews would say
3: uh he's a dog where he said, I, I'm a dog, I like to attack, and he's a dog too. Which, just a little performative for Mark Andrews, but I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. I'm not a dog in real life, though. I would say, like, I don't go for it on 4th down. I'm, I do the equivalent of taking the points. <laughs> like, I, like, if I get, like, a, like a, a bad dish at a restaurant, I'm not going to send it back or anything. I'm just going to sit there and eat it. <laughs> yeah, Like a loser.
3: Bring Ronda on the pod. Ronda Steven's cat. That's what, that's what Steven is at heart. Good house cat.
0: Well, don't forget Jim Harbaugh would said chickens were nervous birds. So, like he would just send chicken back if they brought him. So just channel the Harbaugh family energy, please, for this I exercise. Love it. We're doing th- this game is really big stakes. Both the Ra- uh, the Ravens and the Bengals, they're two and two. Everyone in the AFC North except the Steelers is two and two. So this is massive for the title for the division. So Joe Burrow has lit up the Ravens the last couple times they played, but Lamar has been better this season. I want to just start, Steven, you're the Ravens coaching staff here, but through the first four weeks of the season, do you think Lamar Jackson is the MVP thus far?
1: I mean, I think he has to be the MVP. Whenever you watch them play, everything that happens good on offense is predicated on Lamar Jackson doing something wild. And just look at the construction of the roster and how they've built this offense up. They've built it to be a heavy run game. And the run game really isn't working outside of the plays where Lamar ends up with the ball. And their offense is still very good. It's kept them competitive in games where maybe they shouldn't have been competitive. So. Like, anecdotally, I think he is the MVP. And then when you start looking at the numbers, you just watch the film. It's easy to build a case that he is the best player in the NFL right now, and he is the most valuable to his team.
0: So with that said, Solak, they're playing the Bengals this week. We don't really think of the Bengals as a great defense, but are the Bengals the toughest defense that Lamar's even faced this year?
3: Yeah, it's a really important question. I'm not sure that they are, because when you go from like the way Miami played Lamar last season to then the Patriots, who I would say Belichick's always going to have a solid defensive game plan, even if personnel-wise they're not the same. And then week four to the Bills, it's tough to say it's the best defense. The Bills are probably better writ large, but the Bengals are really good on defense. And they don't have the big name stars. And so I think it's hard for us to identify that, like us being like, all right, like the Rams are good on defense. And it was like, yeah, well, they have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. That's the way that works. The Niners are good on defense. They have Fred Warner. They have Nick Bosa. Like this is not like, it's easy to identify those star talents. And I think because of like fantasy football and because of, of highlights and just like everything, when we think talented offense, we think star players, but defenses can be really good when they just don't have a weakness, when they just don't have a gap. And that's a lot of how Cincinnati plays ball. They are really balanced on all three levels. DJ Reader, great nose tackle, could be nose tackle. Trey hendrickson good B rusher. Logan Wilson, good B mike. Genobia Wuzie, good B corner. Jesse Bates, good B safety. And then elsewhere, like okay, Jermaine Pratt, Vaughn Bell, Eli Apple, Sam Hubbard. Like they, they they're just solid quality NFL players and they have a defensive coach in Luana Rumo who understands how to get them to, to their spots. Lou does, a, does some different things in some different places. He's shown some situational game plans. Week seven against the Ravens last year was a really, really good example, right? They walked out against Lamar. They gave up 17 points in the first like two quarters and then drive of the third quarter, right? The Ravens were moving the football fairly well. They were sitting with extra linebackers on the field trying to stop the run and they're getting hit by play action over the middle of the field. Those linebackers would get soccered up and then Mark Andrews, Rashad Bateman over the middle and they get their chunk gains. So all of a sudden they start sitting back in zones, they'll, they'll get to a third down, they'll put a lot of guys in the line of scrimmage. Some will rush, some won't. They start spinning some safeties, and they come out in that second half and just blanket the Ravens offense. They score no points in that second half. Lamar struggled to get outside of the pocket because they had good contain rushes. He struggled to find deep patterns. They couldn't get the short passing game going. It was just this in-game adjustment that we've now seen from Lou so many times. He did it against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. He's, they, they have a really good, smooth defensive operation. This is as big of a test for their defense as it is for Lamar going up against a defense that gave him struggles last year because the Bengals, who are like top five in a lot of defensive metrics right now, faced Mitchell Trubisky in week one, Cooper Rush in week two, Joe Flacco in week three, and then the combination of Tua and Teddy in week four. So the defense is good. How good? (laughs) We're going to find out here when they get to play an actual elite quarterback. So big test for Lamar going against a defense that stymied his offense a little bit last year. Big test for the Bengals defense. You're a little bit of a no-name hustle and tackle sort of an approach. Is that going to work against the star quarterback in Lamar?
1: And I would say that this Bengals defense, like even before this year, has had some success against the Ravens, even when they were bad. Like Zach Taylor's Mm -hmm. first year, they gave Lamar some problems by taking away the run game. And I really think that Greg Roman makes that easier to do for defensive coordinators because... The Ravens
0: offensive coordinator
1: yes, the Ravens offensive coordinator because of how he's built this offense. Like we give Roman a lot of credit for building this like complex run game and it's very effective and it's been very productive. But I, I wonder if we give him too much credit for it. Because when you think about like what they have to invest into it schematically to make it work, like you have to put a fullback on the field. You have to put Nick Boyle on the field at times, who's not much of a threat in the passing game. I mean, you should be good at the run game. Like that's the bare minimum and it's not working right now. And another thing, another problem is beyond the run game, you put those bodies out on the field. Typically you can kind of game the defense to get them into playing certain coverages that you can then take advantage of in the pass game. Like if they, they have to drop a safety down into the box, the Ravens aren't good at doing that. Like Roman in specifically isn't good at doing that. Like he'll put, Mm -hmm. for instance, he'll last game. They come out in 12 personnel, Uh, Isaiah Likely, Mark Andrews, the two uh, tight ends. But they line up in like a spread formation. It's two by two open, so that neither of the tight ends are attached to the line of scrimmage. They're both in the slot. So they're presenting like a 10 personnel formation with 12 personnel on the field, which Mm -hmm. is good. And then the Bills uh, match with Nickel. So they have a, a cornerback to match up with Andrews on one side, but they have a linebacker matched up with Likely on the other side. That's what you want. You want that matchup. I mean, Milano's a good linebacker, but I think likely he's a better route runner. So likely what the, t- the
0: backup tight end is a rookie. The
1: backup tight end. Like, yeah, he's a rookie. Mm-hmm. He's not really getting on the field because he's not much of a blocker, but he can produce in the pass game as we saw during preseason. And what do they do with that matchup? Greg Roman calls four hitch routes that are four yards downfield. The easiest routes to cover for any player. That's what he, he calls. There's another snap uh, two weeks ago when they come out in 21 personnel. and Then they go empty. Which is a tactic that we've seen, like teams like the Patriots spam to win the Super Bowl against the Rams in 2018. The Patriots match in nickel. So they have light personnel on the field. They have personnel on the field that's built to defend the pass. So what does Roman do? He spreads it out and passes it. He goes into empty and puts Patrick Ricard into the slot. Like that's what the Patriots want you to do. So it's like he's putting, he's fielding these personnel groupings that help him in the run game, but he just doesn't know how to take advantage of it in the passing game. And Mm -hmm. that's how you win in the NFL. It's like, it's like if you see like a guy, I don't know, you, you see this in cartoons sometimes. You see like a guy with like a huge bicep, like a huge left bicep, but his right arm is like really skinny. That's mm-hmm. the Ravens. The bicep is the run game. The skinny arm is the, the pass game. Only it's the non-dominant arm that's built up. So it doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't help. That's my, that's my analogy for the Ravens offense.
3: Yeah. There's two things that I think stand out in terms of Bengals defense against that. The first is that the Bengals generally live in the in one personnel grouping. They live in nickel. They have yeah. four down defensive linemen, two linebackers, uh, uh, Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, great ball players, and then they have five defensive backs with Mike Hilton on the field. Mike Hilton's a very important player to the Bengals defense. He's their nickel. There's like a there's been a recent wave of nickels who just like do not care about their personal safety, right? Like yeah. Kwan Williams and uh, Kenny Moore, right? Just like the, the, these guys who play over the slot and they're just nutcases, just. Physical, hitting offensive tackles, flying down, blitz, crazy tackle. The OG is Mike Hilton. Like, he started this, and he will, like Logan Ryan, and he will finish it. He plays, the, the entire Bengals secondary tackles really, really, really well. And that's so important for how they play the run against Lamar. Because a big part of that condensed formation running game design is we have to get corners and safeties into the box, and then we force those guys to tackle. And the Bengals have really good tackling in their secondary. It starts with Hilton, who just chooses to just play like he's like 250 pounds when he absolutely isn't, and so a you're going to get Hilton, you're going to get those 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 secondary players into the run fits, but the Bengals are okay with actually tackle really well in the secondary, Jesse Bates notwithstanding, but he's the the deep guy, so it's fine. And then the second thing is, all right, let's get the heavier personnel in the field and go spread. Well, all we do is live in nickel. All we do is play four two five and we play zone. They were, I want to say, about 75 percent zone coverage drops against the Ravens in week seven. So you're going to go and try to get your sneaky little matchups, Isaiah Likely out here, Patrick Ricard out wide. We're not going to change personnel and we're going to still play zone coverages and we're going to, uh, you know, try to survive your play action, make sure that we cover intermediate and then make you be a short passing team, which the Ravens have never been a successful short passing team. So the Bengals are a little bit okay with this reality. They're a little bit okay of these challenges the Ravens put on you because they have the, the personnel and then the fluidity in their nickel sets to deal with it.
0: So everything, going to the other side of the ball here for a second. So. I'm curious, the Bengals, I mean, obviously been passing a ton. They, I mean, Joe Burrow just got sacked however many times, I think 19 times in the playoffs, just getting sacked over and over again. They ostensibly fixed their offensive line over the offseason. And part of fixing the offensive line wasn't just protecting Joe Burrow, but it was also to, to run more. The Bengals are 30th in yards per carry. The only teams worse in yard, rushing yards per carry are the Bucs and the Chargers were the teams who have like offensive line injuries. Like, there's reasons that the Buccaneers, like they've had four or five offensive linemen, depending on who you count, hurt at various points of the season. Why are the Bengals on this list? Like, so like Mr. Zach Taylor, anonymous supermarket guy. Why can't the Bengals run the ball?
3: Yeah, so Zach Taylor actually had a great quote uh about this. He was asked about this. Paul Daner for The Athletic wrote a wonderful piece that everybody should read about kind of how the Bengals uh, uh running game is struggling. And Taylor was. was uh, in, that, uh, in that piece, quoted saying like, you know, oh, if we could just, you know, uh, uh, you have to be balanced. Like if you could live in the NFL and throw it 70 times a game, you, uh, you, if you could do that, you would. It'd be best. It'd be so much fun to run football that way, but you can't. It's like, hey, Zach, you know how you guys made a deep playoff run last year as the four seed? You know, <laughs> you like won a lot of games late in the season. You didn't just throw in the ball pretty much the whole game, man. Like it turns out when you were forced to do that last year, that was when your team was at its best. Maybe we should think about that. But for the Bengals are now, the Bengals want to generate some balance on offense. They use Joe Mixon very heavily. He's been like a fifteen plus, twenty plus carry guy. And for players right now who have a substantial number of carries in their belt, Mixon is pretty much last in success rate, last in yards after contact per rush. He's one of the highest in negative rushes per attempt. They they have struggled to get Mixon going. Bengals. Well, read why it. do you
0: want? The, but why why are they bad? I get where you're saying where they're good at right. passing it. But when they do run, why do they suck?
3: So Bengals Reddit has a theory. It's that Joe Mixon Bengals is tipping, Reddit? Yes, which is that Joe Mixon is like tipping the, the plays. Like the Reddit page for Bengals. Yes. Yeah, I mean,
1: that's that's more uh, authoritative than Zach Taylor, even. I would trust Bengals <laughs> Reddit to <laughs> run this offense more. more.
3: <laughs> so Bengals Reddit has their theory that, Zach, uh, that Joe Mixon's is tipping the plays. And that's because Mixon tends to stand differently in the backfield when it's a passing play versus when it's a running play. A little bit more substantive is the reality that uh, the Bengals themselves are tipping the plays because the Bengals run the ball from under center alignments. They are a wide zone running team. If you want to be a wide zone running team, you almost invariably have to be an under center team. Zach Taylor comes from Sean McVay's coaching tree, under center runs, wide zone runs. Cool. But because of how Joe Burrow plays, he likes to spread it out, point and shoot, aggressive vertical routes on the outside. When the Bengals pass the ball, they can't do it out of those sets. Right? If, you're, if, you're, if you're going to throw the ball from under center, you have to turn your back to the defense, roll out, you know, throw on the move, crossing patterns. That's not how Joe Burrow wants to throw the ball. So the Bengals' running offense is over here. It's under center, running back behind the quarterback, condensed sets, right, wide receivers tight to the offensive tackle so they can come in and be extra blockers. And then the Bengals' passing offense is over on this side, and it's shotgun, spread out, empty, quick game. They don't look the same pre-snap. And so you as a defense, you, you call out what you want, you get your personnel in the field, and then, all right, ready, break, you go, you line up, and then Joe Burrow gets under center, and you go, eh, ah. they run the ball 80%, literally almost 80% at the beginning of the season. They're starting to, to level it out, out now, but to start, that's where they were at. They run the ball 80% of the time, four out of five times out of this look. Let's play the run a little aggressively, shall we? And it's not so much like a Wait. A
0: when call the Bengals thing. are under center, they're running 80% of the time.
3: That was that was that was in week one. They went under center 17 times and they ran the ball 15 times. So that was like what, like 90%. And then since then they've chunked it down, chunked it down, chunked okay. it down. And they're becoming less predictable, but that's where they started. So it's not so much about like how the defense is going to call it. It's not like Mike McDonald's and, and Patrick Queen's headset being like, he's on our center, initiate the run defense call. <laughs> but when you know that on the tendency report, when you know that because of Wednesday and Thursday film study, you as Patrick Queen yelled to Justin Matabuki and, and Michael Pierce and Odafe Owe, run, run, run. <laughs> Look at him. He's not, you know, you as, as individuals will play the run more aggressively, or if he's in gun, not play the run aggressively, and you'll, and- and you'll play the pass. And you just start to get keys on what's coming
1: and they'll have checks for that. They'll have like a check for if they're under center, they'll go into one defensive play if they're in shotgun they'll go into another one. And if you watch the the Dolphins game from last Thursday, the Dolphins are just blitzing all of their run concepts. Like they're not in the headset, they don't know what what they're calling, but right. They they could it's obvious that they had a good beat on what the 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 uh Bengals wanted to do. And then when they run in in shotgun, I feel like this is what I feel like the problem is with, with Zach Taylor. I think he knows the system that he's, he's calling the Sean McVay system. But so much of that is sequencing. sequencing. Oh, I can't even say the word. Sequencing. So much of it
0: is sequence.
3: sequence. You have to sequence the so word sequence. So much of it is sequence. Yeah, I can't crowns. even say it. I'm
1: like is Zach Taylor pronouncing sequencing. Sequencing.
0: <laughs> You're I, like a boxer setting up punches. You can't just yeah, throw but an uppercut. that's, the, that's like the key. Like, we,
1: we run this play to set up this play to set up this play to set up this play. Up this play. And mm-hmm. it feels like Zach Taylor doesn't have that down like he he'll call like a a duo run from from shotgun he'll have the the receiver motion into the formation which is what you do when they have an extra defender in the box against duo and that that tips that tips off that duo's coming but then like a quarter later he'll do the same thing and then run a play action off of it but it's always in that same order like he'll do the run the defense will react and then he'll do the counter but if you do it like yeah. that every time, like the defense is going to know. And I think that's the problem at large with this offense.
0: So it's like a boxer that's kind of throwing the same combo and then being like, wow, why am I getting punched in yeah, the face Yeah, like he now?
1: throws the jab, right. and the opponent gets used to the jab and is ready for the hook that's about to come. Yeah.
0: I, I want to talk to you guys about Lamar and Burrow. Here's my question for you two. Joe Burrow is going to need a contract extension soon. Obviously, Lamar Jackson's contract's like the biggest deal in the NFL coming up. If you guys had to start a team from scratch with Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, who would you guys choose? Lamar.
1: Lamar. Lamar. What, that yeah, was no, no hesitation. Easy. Why? I mean, it's, Why does no it's,
3: it's It It is unfair to Burrow because Burrow quite a good quarterback. Measuring up against Lamar, who is so singular in what he brings to the table and how well he plays, Lamar is the only quarterback in the league who is a very good scrambler, extremely good runner, and also throws intermediate middle of the field. Like, he's the only one. We don't have any other one that can do both. And... Mm that level of stress plus also like among the scrambling quarterbacks, he's clearly the best makes the offenses you can build around Lamar so unique that it's not fair one-to-one. Like you could give me like Lamar and Herbert and with how good Herbert is. And it's still like, I wonder if building around Lamar because he's so unique is still just smarter because of the strain it's going to put on a defense versus Herbert kind of being some more understandable prototype of quarterbacking. What about all the people
0: listening right now who are screaming that Joe Burrow had more playoff success last season than Lamar has in his career thus far. And that, I mean, as reductive as that argument is, if the NFL is ultimately getting more and more like the NBA, where the playoff games are kind of almost like a different miniature
1: sport in a way, Lamar's lack of playoff success doesn't bother you guys at all? I mean, you could look at Joe Burrow's production during that playoff run to argue against it. He wasn't very good. He was like average at best in the The defense. was all big
3: Lou, baby. All big Lou. It was
1: all big Lou. So, I mean, if. I would take Lamar. It feels in, nuts
0: to say. They came back from 18 points in, the, in the, the championship game.
1: Yeah, but how do you do that by holding Pat Mahomes to zero <laughs> yeah. points in the second they, half?
0: They came back by 18 points because they scored
3: and,
1: 21. And how many turnovers did they, uh, did they get for the Bengals right. offense? But anyway, I would take Lamar because I think the Ravens offense, how it's built, is built around Lamar. Whereas I, I don't think the, the Bengals offense works if they don't have those two receivers there. Even with Joe Burrow, because they're so reliant on those guys being able to win one-on-ones on the outside. At least they were last year. Obviously, that's not happening as much this year. It, ha- it has happened in, in the wins. But, I like, what does Joe Burrow look like without those guys? It's, it's a different type of offense, and I don't know. I think it's still good, because he is a good quarterback. But I don't think it's as explosive.
0: Football season is underway, so now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with the promo code RINGERNFL. Rams are playing the Cowboys this week. Cooper Cup. I think they could set the over/under on catches for him at like fourteen, and I would still take the over. Probably a dumb bet. I don't know, but not going to bet against it. Sign up today with the promo code RingerNFL for your no sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Twenty-one plus in select states. First online real money wager only. Refund is issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire in fourteen days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler or visit fanduel.com/rg. In Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, visit kscamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP on Louisiana, one 877 8 hope or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. The Tennessee red line is 1-800-889-9789, Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700 Wyoming. Or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia.
1: This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary.
2: This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. That is netsuite.com slash ringer.
0: This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Let's get to predicting Monday morning's headlines. Solak and Reece are predicting all the, the headlines for Monday morning. I think you guys are really good at predicting games. I think you guys suck at making headlines. It's kind of funny that we make you do
1: it. I got two good ones.
3: Do you? I have... I have two very bad ones. I struggled
0: immensely. I I don't know why this is so
1: hard for you guys. Okay.
0: I want to start. I'm just saying. Cowboys at Rams. So this was probably a much cooler game when Dak Prescott was going to play. Cooper Rush. Solak. What happens at Cowboys Rams? Who wins? And then what is the Monday morning headline after Cowboys Rams? Uh,
3: I think that the Cowboys are going to beat the Rams. I think the Cowboys are going to beat the Rams because the defensive line to offensive line disparity is so drastic. Uh, this is actually a big week for really good defensive lines against really bad offensive lines in the NFL writ large. This game is an example of one and feels like it could very easily follow the uh, map that the Niners put out against the Rams on Monday Night Football, which is, again, the Rams are also coming on a short week in this. Steven was actually just tweeting before the game how similar Cooper Rush and Jimmy Garoppolo look right now in terms of of how they're quarterbacking. And a part of that is that the Cowboys running game is actually working fairly well. And so you run the football on offense, you get your play action pass up, you score 20 points, and then you turn the other side of the ball and you say, all right, Rams have a good offensive outing. And with Michael Parsons, DeMarcus Lawrence, Dorrance Armstrong, stunting and twisting against this Rams front that has struggled immensely with like four down rushes and with pressures, but particularly with twists and stunts, they cannot handle when you run games up front. The Cowboys do this a ton right now. I think that Dallas has enough to win the game, which then leads to the headline, hungover in Dallas. Because I think the Super Bowl hangover for the Rams is extremely real at this point. Uh, hungover
0: in Dallas? Is this an yes. LA-based headline or a Rams-based it, There's headline? no
3: pun. It's just I couldn't figure out any hung- hangover-related thing to do. Well, I was spoiler like,
0: alert. If the Cowboys win, it's going to be about Cooper Rush being good, and people are going to be talking about whether Cooper Rush is better yeah. than that. I was that.
3: also I was also trying to do something off of that. Like Jerry Jones said this week that Dak Prescott can't grip a football well enough yet. And I was trying to do like a Cooper Rush gets a grip sort of a thing. Is His a name is enough?
1: Rush. Oh, it's, it's so no, easy it's, to make a pun based off of. You're overthinking this. It'll be Dak
0: back question mark. Cowboys in no rush after Rams k- hushed. Right. Don't rush Dak.
3: I was gonna do like a Dak back, whoa, relax, sort of a sort of like rhyming sort of a oh situation as God. well, but that felt like it was gonna be bullied.
0: So well, two, the problem uh, is, is that First, I don't wait, think it's the,
3: I don't think it's rush that wins the game. I think it's the Cowboys pass rush off. Rick.
0: Okay, but it, ah, there you go. But <laughs> in it. the there it in is. This, <laughs> so, but in the let's put put the Dak Cooper rush thing to bed. I can't believe you just man. I don't know why you guys are like this with the headlines. <laughs> with says the guy that doesn't have to write them ever. I just wrote it on the fly right there. There's your headline. I just did uh, one.
3: If so, I had said Rams hush, you would have gone hush, I'm forcing a rhyme. <laughs>
0: Please. So, this Cooper Rush Dak Prescott thing. Can we just put this to bed? Yeah. They're going to if the sure. Cowboys win this game, more people will be like, "Why does the Cowboys offense just look better without Dak?" Can you guys just like put this thing to bed about whether Cooper yeah. Rush is on par with Dak Prescott?
1: Yeah, go look up my tweet about Jimmy. Our
0: no, just tell us. I'm not looking Jimmy up your tweet. G. That's what I was going to explain it.
1: Jimmy G and Cooper Rush. <laughs> they're like they're the disparity between early downs when they can run the ball and run play action. And late downs, when they have to pass the ball, is identical, like Rush and Jimmy G. He's like minus 22 EPA or 0. .22 EPA on passing downs, and he's really good on early downs because they're running play action. You need Dak for those drop back situations for third down, the, the downs that win football games. You're not getting that with Cooper Rush. Yeah. You're just not. If there's,
3: if there's anything to take away from the Cooper Rush experience here in Dallas, it's how frustrating it is that... A Mike McCarthy led team is once again looking at a star quarterback and saying, Oh, because he can handle X, Y, and Z, we're going to give him X, Y, and Z. Let's just make him drop back and no play action. And it's just all statics concepts. And it's just pick your side, be accurate, get to your third read. And then the backup goes in and it's like, Oh, let's push all these buttons that help our quarterback. You can do that with the sorter. You can do that with Dak in. But so they're calling the reason, plays
0: differently for Cooper Rush? Like, yeah. it's not this. They're yes, not doing the same stuff. And defense are playing them differently.
3: You put, you put, you put a, two tight ends on the field. Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield with Cooper Rush there. Defenses are loading the box. Let's stop Elliott on first and ten. If that's Dak, they do not respect the run in the same way.
1: Yeah, I I, I don't even think it's a question. And if I think I think if anything, this is a good experience for the Cowboys coaching staff because maybe they get back to that stuff. Right. They were doing it early last year. They were doing pushing a lot of these buttons. They were trying things, and then I guess they just ran ran out of ideas. But. If they run this offense for Dak, it looks a lot better than it does for Cooper Rush. But I disagree with Solak. I think the Rams win this game because I think they are very good against the run. I think they're first in EPA against the run. They're like 28th in success rate. I think they're going to stop the run, stop the early down stuff and force Cooper Cup to be a passer, which I don't think. will Force
3: Cooper Cup to be a passer. They're going to trade him on Friday.
1: (laughs) The battle of Coopers.
3: Yes. A lot of Coopers on the field this afternoon. Too many, some Too would say. many, too many Coopers.
1: Yeah. Way too
0: many Coopers. Falcons Buccaneers next game. Steve, this is a weirdly important game somehow the Fal- like the Bucks were I think the favorite in the NFC to win the Super Bowl. Falcons were one of the favorites to just get the first overall pick. Somehow they're both 2 and 2. We win this game would be in first place in the NFC South. Steven, who wins Falcons
1: Bucks what's the headline on Monday morning? The headline is what the Buck, the Falcons are good? Cuz the Falcons are going to win this there you football go. game. Is that a good go. headline, right? There you
0: go! That's a good headline. So, oh, like, okay. it's really... You know what? It, would you click on that? What the buck? Falcons no? beat Buck. Falcons beat Tampa I would snicker at it.
1: Okay, I'm, whatever. I'm going to like, yeah, whatever. The, keep going, Steven. The Falcons are winning this football game. The <laughs> really? Falcons are... The, they have the best running game in the NFL, in my opinion. Like, the best... It's, it's the best design running game. They're calling pistol runs uh, more than any other team in the league. They have 30 runs out of pistol. Like, no, no one else has more than, like, 12. Like even the Ravens aren't doing it as much as them. They're thirty percent two back formations, and they're like running really well out of these formations and setting up the play action passing game. Mariota isn't getting pressured; he's not getting sacked because of it, because of play action and the formations. And quietly, the Bucks are are you can run on the Bucks now. Like that hasn't been a thing in the past, but this year it is a thing. They're fifteenth in EPA against the run, twenty fifth in success rate. So this is like a matchup I think Atlanta can take advantage of. And we know that Bucks' offense is struggling. I don't know if the Falcons defense is going to be able to take advantage of that just because of how much they rely on smoke and mirrors. And you don't really do that to Tom Brady. But I think they're going to the offense is going to keep them in it. And why not? Why, why can't they pull off an upset? It was also the easier headline. So I had to go with the upset. Did you go with the upset because of the headline? Yeah, I wrote the headline first
0: oh my god what
3: that's which not... is ridiculous because you could you could use what the buck in any way you could use what the buck and then just any following no. <laughs> take
1: yeah but then i convinced myself they would win yeah and then yeah i so also think out. the
3: falcons at the very least keep this game close if not it. Right. atlanta is my official like i don't like to admit this publicly but i think the team is actually a good team because you just know they're gonna they're the Falcons. They're going to face plant in a very real way, and like against a division rival Buccaneers for the first seed in the NFC West is such a or NFC South is such a clear opportunity to do so.
0: Also, Tom Brady's ten and zero against the Falcons. He's literally never lost to Atlanta. Right. Also, it's Julio Jones's revenge game. It's all oh. pretty bold.
3: Heartbreak for Julio. I don't even know. In my head, Julio's still more Falcon than Buck. I'm not even yeah. sure he's going to be contributing. I'm not sure which side he's playing for in this game. Uh, I, I feel Tom like he's Brady is re-
0: major revenge.
3: Yeah. Tom Brady might be 10-0 against the Falcons, but Tom Brady is currently just like taking L's across the course of several weeks at this point. Tom Brady's on the downturn, man. It's the beginning of the end, I believe. Once he loses to the Falcons, nail in the head.
0: No, it's the nail in the the beginning of the comeback. Okay, all right. Steven, I don't know what to do with that now that you convinced me and then you were like, well, I did it for the rhyming. I'm like, okay, whatever. Saints, Seahawks, Solak. This, I mean- Geno Smith, I will give you both credit. I mean, Steven a little more so. I think that this is like- No, your, definitely your, Steven more so. The, the Gino Smith, this is like your baby of the season. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. Geno Smith, I think he just won uh, NFC Player of the Week. Geno Smith is first, and I think uh, completion percentage over expectation by a, like a light year. But now they're playing the Saints, and I'm curious, this is like a much better defense than what the Seahawks have been shredding. So like, I'm curious, who do you think wins Saints-Seahawks? And what do you think the headline is on Monday morning?
3: Yeah, third pick, third upset here. I think the Seahawks win. Uh, I think that the Seahawks' performance against the Lions offensively has, has much to do about a bad Lions defense as it does about the Seahawks' offense. But then you go back and realize that, like, you know, they moved the ball fairly well against Atlanta. They moved the ball. The, the two teams that they struggled against passing the football were Denver and San Francisco in consecutive weeks, which we now know both of those teams to be top five pass defenses by DVOA over the first four weeks of the season, right? Like De- Denver and San Francisco were very stiff competitions in terms of the passing defense for this team to approach. Since then, they've established that they can be a better passing game and also found more success running the football. So I think Arrow's pointing up for this offense in a real way, even with the, you know, weakness of the Lions considered. The Saints are of really good Defense, but they do play a ton of man coverage, which is what Gino particularly has been ripping up this year. So I like Seahawks to win, and I like the headline to be holding out for a Gino instead of holding out for a hero because Gino kind of has been the hero of this Seahawks season. He has beaten Russ, he's kept them like competitive in an NFC West that is currently all two and two. If the uh, Seahawks were the Seahawks are two and two. They're only losing the tiebreaker to the Niners because they lost to the Niners outright. So there's a chance that like if Cowboys beat Rams, if Cardinals lose to the Eagles, both the Seahawks and the, the, the 49ers are three and two at the top of this division. And like that's going to be the divisional race for at least the next few weeks.
1: I had to correct him on one thing. As a Geno, as like the president of Geno Nation, he was good against the Broncos. He was very good against the Broncos. He was yeah, only he bad was good against the, against the 49ers.
3: Broncos. I, I'm I'm saying like they didn't score a ton of points. They didn't. They, I, he yeah. like he had what 14 consecutive completions against the Broncos.
1: Yeah, it's right? because of the second half they had three drives that and then yeah. DK Metcalf fumbled on one where they were driving. But yeah, he was he was good against Denver. But he's been good in three out of four games. So I, I mean, I think this is for real. I don't know how long it's going to last where he's like the best statistical quarterback in the NFL. But I think this is going to be a good offense for the rest of the year.
3: Yeah. And the Saints are. Like, again, the Saints are a good defense. Dennis Allen has kept that defense good. However, they're not the sort of defense that I think is going to work well against this offensive approach. We've seen that one of the one of the good defenses that struggles against the Sean McVay offense, which is like pretty typical Sean McVay offense with the running in Seattle right now, has been the Saints. They've given up a lot of points to the Niners, a lot of points to the Rams, when they played them in years past. Typically this, like they just played the, the Vikings, gave up 28. This offense works pretty well against the way that Dennis Allen likes to play. Okay. Next Figure out a bear here. front, Dennis. Sorry, it's,
0: you want to apologize to Dennis?
3: I apologize, Dennis. I know you know what a bear front is.
0: Chargers Browns, Stephen. Who do you think wins, Chargers Browns? What do you think the headline is on Monday morning?
1: Uh, my headline has nothing to do with the result of the game, but I, I do think well, the Chargers that, that's win. That's
0: not what the headline. The story is about uh, the game. I'm Sorry. If I'm the sorry. headline has nothing to do with the game, why is that to do headline with the game?
1: All right, let me read the headline. Crazed NFL writer confronts Joe Lombardi on Chargers sideline. I am the crazy <laughs> NFL accept,
0: I accept. That's right, Yeah, it's actually good. I was yeah, going to lose. Yeah, I told you. That. I had two good no, ones. Let's get...
1: Just wait. Just okay. wait. It's the same problems we, we talked about last year with this offense. The early down, late down splits. They're trying to be this like Sean Payton condensed set fullbacks, tight end, run game play action off of the run game type offense on early downs and it just doesn't work. It sucks. It's terrible. <laughs> It's god-awful. Like, the offensive line is too, is not good enough. It's not good enough. They're dead last in yards before contact, and it's by a wide margin. It's like they're averaging like 0.3 yards before contact in good. the run game. love it. Very bad. And then when, like, usually when you go under center and you're, you, you condense the set and you put a fullback on the field, it's the setup play action, but they're not doing that. They're not pushing the ball downfield. They're, uh, Justin Herbert is 29th in dot on early downs. 29th. And he's seen the least amount of cover three. That's usually why you, you line up in these formations is to get a lot of cover three because defenses want to defend the run, but they're not afraid of defending the run when your offensive line is this bad and your run game is this bad. So they've only seen eight snaps of cover three on early downs. He's the only quarterback in the league who hasn't reached double digits yet. Like Cooper Rush has reached double digits yet so far. Jimmy Garoppolo has reached double digits. It's, it's a bad offense. It's doing all of these things to get a, a certain reaction from the defense that it's not getting. And it's hurting Justin Herbert. His splits between late downs and early downs is like the biggest in the league. He's one of the best quarterbacks by EPA, by CPOE, by QBR, whatever you want to look at on, on third down. The hardest down to complete a pass. He's like one of the best quarterbacks. On early downs, the easiest time to complete passes, he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. Even if you just look at completions, so just the passes that he's completing, no incompletions, no sacks. He is 27th in success rate. He's only ahead of Davis Mills, Carson Wentz, Russell Wilson, which, I mean, he's a good quarterback, but that offense is bad. Kyler Murray, same, same thing. And then Justin Fields, who might be the worst quarterback who's ever played. So why is this just? Why is, but you
0: love Justin Herbert. Why is Justin Herbert blameless in all of this? Why is this the offensive coordinator's fault?
1: Because they, they're not calling the plays that allow him to push the ball downfield. They're getting under center and running like Hank. And Hank but is how like...
0: They, what the hell is Hank?
1: Hank is... is Great like Bill concept, Walsh. Hank. Bill Walsh, that's like his baby, Hank. That's like what he built the West Coast offense Big around. Hank it's guy. like It's like a, it's the receivers on the outside run hitch routes. The tight end runs a little... Or the hitch route routes over. that you
0: were so angry about earlier. Yeah,
1: yeah. They're, they're bad. Uh, the tight end runs a little sit route like over where the center lines up and then you have two flat routes. So it's basically like a high, low read, but like at most think
3: three curls and two flats. Yeah. Think, think curls no route flats. further than
0: seven yards down the field.
1: Yeah. But at most you're getting like eight yards out of Hank and they're just calling that over well, it, and over but, again. I, mean, out of I don't understand sets. if
0: your left tackle Ray Sean Slater, the all pro is out for the season and your right tackle was already the worst right tackle in the NFL. And you're in a division that's going to have, I mean, you know, the Broncos have great pass rushers and like, they're, you know, the, mm-hmm. the how, how are you supposed to just out here calling passes with these deep developing players? The Chargers don't have any speed. They probably because have the have- slowest receiving core in the NFL. How are they supposed to wait for Justin Herbert to let someone go downfield when they have the worst tackles right now, too?
1: Because you have a freak of nature at quarterback who has like a computer processor for a mind. He, well, he's also got point, a rib injury. They're going to get him killed. If he keeps waiting for re- routes to develop, isn't he? You're also going to get fired. If you don't make the playoffs for a second straight year with <laughs> Justin freaking <laughs> Herbert at quarterback, he's averaging 2.4 seconds per throw on throws of 15 or more air yards. Like that's second in the league. That's, that's blazingly fast. like, that's like, like Tom long right or offense. Short?
0: short.
3: Short. That's short. Think- like 15-plus air yards means the receiver has to get down there, right? And so typically, the longer an air yard pass, the longer the quarterback has to hold on to the football. So when you're talking about throws like 20-plus, you're lo- usually looking at like at least 3.1 seconds holding on to the football. The only quarterback in like recent memory to whom this rule doesn't apply has been Tom Brady with the Buccaneers. Brady's like averaging like 11 A dot, right? Like on his throws, 20-plus yards on the field, balls out in like 2.6 seconds. And we all pointed to that, and we were like, he can't do this. This is illegal. Arrest the man. You cannot throw the ball that fast on downfield throws. And now Justin Herbert's doing it too.
0: That's so you guys hear this. There he's throwing it this quickly on throws downfield. You're saying he's processing quickly. He's figuring yeah. out where to put the ball fast like he's figuring it out faster he, than other quarterbacks. And teams. he has a laser beam.
1: It, yeah, and he has that that makes up like that makes up time too and th- the thing is he's like not throwing to his first read all the time like he's getting to his second and third read this guy just processes so quickly that it doesn't matter and i don't think they're taking maybe advantage the offense of, is so
0: bad he's like oh that sucks that sucks that sucks and there no, you go. yeah it's, that
1: is what it that's what's happening but i feel like they're not taking advantage of justin herbert's greatest strength which is that processing time like he can survive he can avoid sacks he can avoid pressure with those dropback concepts because he's so damn good at them and they're treating him like Kirk yeah. Cousins. They've turned him into Kirk Cousins. So you're going to attack
0: yeah. the Chargers' offensive coordinator, and that'll be the story. It's gonna yeah. Be I,
1: I, I I almost went more violent with the headline, but I oh. decided to go with confront instead. Like I was thinking about like stabs or something, but no. I don't well, want to. Can, don't, now now this is good
0: because now this pod can get aggregated, and it's um,
1: yeah. 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 I don't. I had land to apologize for Dennis
0: Allen to not.
3: I apologize to Dennis for telling him to learn what a bear front is. Steven's going to stab Joe Lombardi. We're, just, we're not, leaving that not, on the
1: show. I will not stab Joe Lombardi. I will not. I'll just send him like a Steven sternly worded letter.
0: Threatening. We should cut all of that. Wow.
1: Keep it in. I'm fine with it. If I go to jail.
0: <laughs> Bobby we'll Wagner is going to find Steven. Yes. I'll, Knock get more, him I'll, out.
1: I'll get more sleep on Sunday nights if I'm in jail.
0: Yeah. We, well, well, we'll see about that. We'll, we'll have you running across the field with the pink smoke?
1: Okay, I'll yeah, do that Bobby, to Joe Lombardi. Yeah, Bobby Wagner can let you up.
3: <laughs> Instead of wearing a shirt that's like some critical social cause, it's just like, call, play, action, pass on first down.
1: No more Hank.
3: <laughs> this, we should do this. We should, we should go to games with very specific protests for one of the coaching staffs.
0: I know there's like 70,000 people here, but we just want to talk to like one person. <laughs> Could have just sent like a sternly written email, but no. Okay, while we got Steven a little riled up, we're going to do a little cancel culture. Steven, when he gets really mad, he just is like, nope, I'm done with them. And we just, he cancels people. Enough. And I was, you're out. You're out. I was pretty stunned. Yeah. You kind of seemed like you wanted to cancel Kenny Pickett, or at least the archetype of player Kenny Pickett is. What are you, he's played, the man's played like two quarters of football. Are you canceling Kenny Pickett? You're done with it? That, yeah,
1: that, that's enough for me. Two quarters of football plus his film for Pitt. <laughs> it's enough. He's canceled. Enough. No, we don't need to see it. Uh, No, but I I don't want to cancel Kenny Pickett. I want to cancel Kenny Pickett's, like, the the (laughs) archetype. Not just
0: him, but all future generations of him, like a medieval punishment.
1: Yeah, like, I would put Baker Mayfield in there. Like, Baker Mayfield's a Kenny Pickett. Uh, Sam Howell is another Kenny Pickett. Like, these jittery pocket passers with no, like, obvious superstar trait that you can point to. And obviously, Mm -hmm. Sam Howell didn't go in the first round, but Kenny Pickett and Baker Baker Mayfield was the first overall pick in a draft with Josh Allen Lamar Jackson one was guys.
3: also a little, little bit of a jittery pocket guy. He can move a little bit, but
0: still.
1: Like but yeah, but he had like that. arm. He could throw. It, he what do you mean run. by jittery pocket passer? I mean guys that when, they, when the first read isn't open, their feet start moving. Their feet start shuffling. They, and the feet are like a window into the
0: brain. It's, yeah. like, it's like a nervous tick. It's like if your feet are shuffling, they don't step you're not up. clear thinking.
1: Yeah, they don't step up in the pocket to avoid pressure they they escape out the, the back they like to scramble more than they should because they're not like great athletes like baker mayfield scrambles way too much for a guy that get, averages like two yards per scramble and i think kenny pickett is in in danger of that and you saw that on the one interception i think it might have been his second interception or his first one the one
3: it's tough to remember when
1: yeah threw three
3: in 13 attempts
1: but it was, it got tipped up. He threw it to the flat late. He he got some pressure. There was no pressure in the pocket actually. He just started moving his feet, and then he he dipped out of the pocket, and then just tossed up a prayer, and it got picked. Uh those passers. It's hard. I don't know how you build an offense around that. Oh, actually, I do. You have a very good offensive line, a very good run game, and you call play action eighty percent of the time. That's right, how the, Browns... the other
3: ten players need to be great, and also the coordinator needs to be great, and then you're good.
1: Yeah, but I, and I just don't understand why you draft those players in the first round. Like Kenny Pickett has a fine arm it's it's fine he's accurate enough but he's not super accurate I, he's he can scramble a little bit but he's not like kyler murray he's like c plus across the board and I, we never see those quarterbacks turn into great quarterbacks and if i'm drafting a quarterback in the first round i want there to be a chance that he he turns into a great quarterback and with kenny pickett i don't see it like what does that look like
3: yeah, it's a very good point in terms of the, the Cardinal trait, right? It's tricky because you're like Kenny Pickett, first quarterback off the board, first round selection. And then you remember he was tw- 20th overall pick. And usually at that point, like nobody's expecting you to get a good quarterback because all the good quarterbacks have gone, but he was the first guy in the class, right? And you do have like, you know, your Lamar's Lamar was of the 32nd. world. Like, yeah, Derek Carr, exactly. And like, but Lamar was obviously a, a, an outlier case for several reasons. But the thing with, with Pickett, and I, I'm pretty sure I, I made this joke on our draft show, Danny, at the time last year. The Steelers just hadn't had to do any work at getting a real quarterback in the building in like 18 years, right? They drafted Ben in 04, and then they were just riding that for a while. And then, oh, like Mason Rudolph in the third round. Like, that's kind of cute. like. But it doesn't matter. It's pick 75 or whatever. Well, the
0: joke you made, which was accurate, is it was someone... Who has been married since 2004 trying to date again and it was like they're yeah. downloading the app so they don't know it's like the Steelers right. like, it's, it's like
3: the it's like the twitter thread like you know you don't want to be out here right that sort of a thing but the other thing it, like it the uh, the metaphor i made was the Steelers like grabbed their their old floppy disk of quarterback evaluation blew the dusk off of it plugged it in the computer and they said oh that's right get you like a tall white who's in the pocket like that's how we evaluate quarterbacks around here it's like no no we've we've changed things a little bit babe we got We got, firstly, cloud files. So go on. hop on a Google Drive and download the new QB evaluation manifesto. And in there, you'll find out we got some different traits that we care about. (laughs) I've got Steven going good. You're downloading a
1: hinge. You're like, oh, this is like eHarmony, right? It's like like someone who deactivated their Twitter account in like 2011 and they came back and they're still doing like the old style of retweets. Like they're like manually typing out (laughs) RTE and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
3: They're just putting the period before adding people so it it still appears in the timeline. Just right, the Steelers... Like, everything about Kenny aside, like, I think that you can watch that game last week and say, Kenny gave his receivers a chance. He was aggressive going down the field. He wanted to, you know, uh, push the football. Or you can go and say, Kenny was terrified of being in the pocket. He just kind of threw it up there and hoped the tall guy would get it. Like, there's we're 13 plays in. Like, I don't I, I, mm-hmm. um, I My priors on Kenny haven't moved. But anything about Pickett aside, the Steelers are not suited to acquiring Nurturing and developing a rookie quarterback. They are not built that way. This line is not good enough. This coordinator is not good enough. And this receiving core, even with the talent they have, is also going to teach you the wrong lessons because Deontay's great, but Chase and George, it's like, all right, throw it up. Just get it out. Throw it up. One on one ball. Go, Chase. Pickens, help me. Back shoulder. Go. And that that's, that is not a way you want to play offense, even if it works. Better than it did with Mitch. Even if you start moving the ball a little bit better, like, oh, the vibes are, are good. It's still not teaching Kenny the right things. Kenny's not gonna be reading out the field. He's not gonna be adjusting to NFL speed. He's just gonna be ask your other players to account for what he is right now. And that's not development. That's just like band-aid stuff. And so that plus the fact that they could have given him his first start with 10 days of prep against the New York Jets and are instead giving him his first start with seven days of prep after having played a half against the number two in the league defense by EPA per play, Buffalo Bills. And then the Buccaneers the week after that. Leslie Frazier has not gotten to blitz all year. They played Lamar. They played Stafford. Leslie has not gotten to blitz. And I tell you, Leslie does not like not blitzing. That has not been fun for Leslie. Now he gets a rookie in his first start behind this line. Holy... Moses, this is not how you want to start out a career, just in terms of managing the dude before we even talk about what Kenny is and isn't as a player.
1: We've we've talked a lot about how disjointed the Bengals offense is. Like the ceiling for this this offense now with the way Solak described it is like a a more fucked up version of that offense. Like just chuck it out to those two guys and just hope. And and Kenny Pickett, maybe he'll turn into a good quarterback. He's not Joe Burrow. He's never going to be Joe Burrow. So I don't know if this worked. If it I don't even know if it leads to better results, I think it leads to the same results.
0: Okay, so Kenny Pickett canceled after two quarters. He's gonna have a nothing career. Glad we settled right. that. The
3: theory, the general theory around Kenny Pickett currently on the Steelers is canceled. Yes. The individual Kenny Pickett will very likely be canceled at a later date, but at this time
1: <laughs> persists. Perfect. That's a perfect, that's a perfect description of what just happened. <laughs> Nevertheless.
0: Okay. All right. Well. That's all we got. Thank you, Solak. Thank you, Steven. Thank you, Isaiah, for production help. Also, the game of the week this week for the Ringer NFL Twitter account is Cardinals-Eagles, so they'll be live-tweeting along with Cardinals-Eagles, so you can check that out on the Ringer NFL Twitter account. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It's the Ringer NFL Preview Show. Kenny Pickett, bless your heart. Good luck to